tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Morning, welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. That's our free phone number. It won't cost you anything to make a call. And Emma is producing today. Coming up on this morning show, diesel prices at the pumps have dropped to their lowest level since Russia invaded Ukraine. We'll be speaking about that in just a few moments' time. The old post office in Clanmel given a new lease of life as Mulligan's Pharmacy Group is set to open a flagship Tipperary store. We'll be speaking to Ronan Mulligan live in studio. Uh, reaction to some of our dear Phil letters yesterday. Uh, the Guardian will keep us updated on crime around the county. We have hidden histories with uh, Dr. Connor Reedy. And I'm look for, looking forward to speaking to my old friend George Fury of the Fury Brothers uh, about their trip to tip in January. So all of that and much, much more on the way. You can text and WhatsApp 83 and you can email tip today at tipfm.com. So we're always delighted to hear from you. Let's have a look at uh, what's making headlines today. The Irish Daily Mail. The Greens let residents object to uh, planning. And this is the story that the Greens insist it won't be rolling over on controversial uh, plans to prevent local residents' groups from objecting to planning applications. Now, the new Planning and Development Bill, it's a, it's a major piece of reform, I suppose, of the country's reform laws. And uh, Michal Martin said yesterday they would tackle the inordinate amount of time it takes for projects to be approved to the Irish Examiner. And their banner headline, Ballangiri Shock at Crash Tragedy. And it's an amazing story. Indeed, the woman who died and two others who were injured following a car collision in the Cork village of Ballingiri yesterday had been returning home after attending two funerals in the area. And Governor Toomey, age 51, died in the tragedy as she walked home from one funeral while it has emerged that her mum was pushed to safety by a man who had been attending a second funeral uh, nearby. So there's some coverage of that on the front of the examiner today to the Irish Times. And again, they're leading with that story about the Greens seeking changes to the planning bill. Also, the Irish Times telling us that the proportion of school leavers from poorer backgrounds who secured places in higher education dropped this year following a return to traditional Leaving Cert exams. Um, to the Irish Independent and uh, their banner headline, something we'll be speaking about in just a few moments' time, uh, petrol prices now at lowest level in more than a year. And also on the front of the Indo and right across the newspapers today, there's a picture of Lionel Messi uh, celebrating after helping his team into the World Cup finals with a 3-0 defeat of Croatia. And um, yeah, much talk about that today as well. And again, uh, coverage of the planning law reform on the front of the Indo today. Oh, wait, three, three, double one, double three, double one. We also have that uh, fantastic prize as well because we've teamed up with our friends at the Talbot Hotel in Clonmel to celebrate their Christmas gift vouchers. So you might like to pick up a Talbot Christmas gift voucher for your loved one, but they've given us afternoon tea for two to give away every day this week. And that's based on your interaction with us by WhatsApp and text. 
and uh, you might like to send us a voice note possibly as well. Now diesel prices at uh, the pumps have dropped to their lowest level since Russia invaded Ukraine in what is a rare piece of good news as consumers battle a severe cost of living crisis and um, petrol prices have dropped sharply to bring them back to a level not seen since September of last year. Paddy Cummin is Head of Communications at the AA and joins me now. Paddy, good morning to you. Good morning, Joe. Uh, it's Fran, actually, Paddy, and good Fran, to talk sorry, to you. Not at all, no problem. Apologies, um, tell me, Paddy, about this. I mean, this has to be good news, I suppose, even though we're sort of tolerating these prices, even though a couple of years ago we would have seen them as being way over the top. Yeah, you're right, Fran. It was, um, it's strange to see us selling prices like this because, you know, a couple of years ago we would have been looking at significantly lower prices, but, you know, we are. And, and I, I, we're, we're just losing you at the moment on your phone line, there, Paddy. Um, it might be where you, it might be where you're standing uh, at at the moment. You you were saying, Paddy? Yeah, sorry. No, they, we we did see uh, much cheaper prices like this, obviously during COVID restrictions, and there wasn't so much movement around. Um, but now we are getting used to a higher level of pricing. But now, seeing these prices, it does give us a little bit of a respite, and it is unfortunately probably temporary because the price of a barrel of oil was very low. It was down about $75 a barrel, but it is likely to rally because of various reasons, including the lifting of COVID restrictions in China. And we probably will see these prices increase. So the, uh, the news for anyone out there now is probably a good time to get to the pumps and fill the, fill the car up because it might not last. It might not last, indeed. And when you say that it might uh, climb back up again, are we talking about weeks or months, Paddy, do you think? Or, and uh, what will determine that? I, I, well, obviously, you know, the, the source is the price of oil and, and it was down to $75 a barrel. It's yeah. up to 80 already. Now we're looking, so there's analysts predicting that in the new year to be back up towards $100 a barrel. Um, and there's other factors at play as well, including lots of countries, including Europe, backing away, you know, continents like Europe backing away from Russian oil. So that in particular will, uh, will affect diesel pricing because a lot of our diesel products came from Russia. So we will need to find other one, other sources for that. OPEC as well, the, the countries may restrict production in order to try and boost the price uh, of, of oil. So for now, it's, it's I, I call it a respite, but maybe a temporary respite. So uh, we, we might see prices increase again and probably quite soon. Now, it's a temporary respite for all those ordinary motors, but for hauliers and commercial operators, Paddy, I'm just thinking, I mean, it, it, it must be. Uh, a, a great respite for them because it's been costing them such uh, huge money. Yeah, it does. And, and we often don't consider how it affects hauliers and coach operators. I remember speaking to a coach operator from Midland who said, you know, she was just on the cusp of, of pulling the shutters down because the, of the cost of diesel in particular and, you know, having to pass those on to customers. And, uh, that, you know, for, for those operators, this will be you know, good news at a time of year when, you know, everything is expensive and there's lots of, uh, lots of people spending money. So it's good to have uh, some good news for them as well. Can I talk to you a little bit about uh, the weather as well? Because uh, people are very concerned about that, particularly those of us who must drive, I suppose, Paddy. What, what are you hearing? 
Well, look, I mean, RAA patrols are incredibly busy. We, we haven't had a, as busy a spell in a long time. And it's, it's things like flat batteries and, and you know, the odd uh, person who's got into a bit of a mishap. The problem, and I've been kind of banging on about this now for the last few days, is that most of us are driving around on summer tyres. That's mm. what we drive around in in Ireland. And those are fine for us 99% of the time. But when the temperatures get very low, um, you know, mine below 7 degrees, those tyres just don't perform as well. If we were in countries like Germany, it would be a legal requirement to swap them over and October. So a lot of us are just driving around with a little bit of a handicap. It's like one hand tied behind our back because the uh, the tyres that we have, which is our, our main point of contact, just don't perform as well. That's very interesting. We really don't prepare for the cold weather, would you agree? You know, it just sort of comes upon us and we put up with it and we're all whinging about it, but we don't, we're not ready for it. I think it's difficult. I mean, obviously, the gritting is an issue, and, and what you know, we're seeing, especially on our social media channels, you know, where some areas have been gritted well, some haven't, but certainly the footpaths haven't been. You know, I mm. myself fell on my backside this morning walking along a, a road. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. And it's, you know, it's not a nice thing to happen because, yeah. um, and, and it's just because the, the footpaths in particular just aren't being gritted. And it's a, it's a real issue, and I would hate to be. You know, someone who's um, you know elderly or on crutches or using a, a stick in those sorts of conditions. So, so well, you know, while the roads are one thing, we're, what I'm seeing certainly, and what we're hearing is people are concerned about the footpath. You, you talk about breakdowns there as well, Paddy. I mean, people should be prepared. Maybe have a blanket in the car or something because it's very cold out there. If you don't have the benefit of the heater. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's good to keep blankets in the car, keep water, keep food as well, just in case that you know if you're in rural areas and and you know you had a, a break. Um, but the other thing as well is to remember if you're setting out in longer journeys, it's a good idea to let people know your route and let people know when you're expected to get there because at least you know in the event of something happening or phone signals going down, at least people would be able to retrace your steps. So it's a good idea to just let let people know what your plan is. Right. Any idea, Paddy, I should be asking a weather person about this, but any idea when this is going to break a little? Are we talking about the weekend for temperatures to, to rise a little? Yeah, we do keep an eye on this as well. It's, it's in our interest too, but I think probably, you know, certainly we're here is another five or six days at least um, of this, and then, then uh, it'll be kind of reviewed again. But no, we, we're definitely into the weekend, probably early next week, with no let up in this. Um, you know, today is, is feels a little bit milder, but... Uh, but still, just for people on the roads as well, they just need to keep up the level of vigilance because, it, um, you know, it's, there's no time to get complacent, unfortunately. All right, Paddy, we appreciate your time. Thank you and good morning to Thanks, you. Bye-bye Bye-bye to you now. That's uh, Paddy Common there, who's Head of Communications at the AA. 1800 The text and WhatsApp is 083-311-3311. All right, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now I spoke to Paddy Cummins there of the AA about petrol and diesel prices. Tony joins me now. Good morning to you, Tony. Good morning, friend. And great to talk to you today. You've seen some rather strange things with uh, prices out there. Certainly in the last um, week or so, I've, I've had to travel it from Roscommon. I was in West Clare on Monday. 
and I was able to buy diesel at 166 in Wow. Wow. Um, it, there seems to be, I don't know if the right word is price cartels or something, but we, we seem to have um, a huge fluctuation in prices around the country. Yeah, because the cheapest I've seen for diesel is about 174, and that was the cheapest, I think. So that's considerably uh, dearer than what you saw in West Clare. And what I actually paid for it, which is even better. Which is even better indeed. And what are you seeing? Okay, so you paid one sixty six. What are you? What are you seeing? Is it like myself? You're seeing one seventy four or so? Seems to be uh, averaging around this one seventy five, one seventy something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you think that there's some sort of a rip off going on? Do you? Uh, well, I suppose we can all say every price is a rip off. Yeah. But Certainly, it seems strange the pricing when you consider in a fairly remote area in West Clare um, can sell it for one sixty six point well one sixty seven really it's one sixty six point nine. So uh, you know with transport costs to take fuel back that far and everything, yet the major urban areas seem to be much dearer. Uh, now, of course, they'll they'll tell you that the price depends on what they paid for it in terms of the last fill that they got. Uh, does that hold anything for you? Not really, because if they get a fill, it seems that the price can fluctuate. They're, they're not filling up every day, I'd imagine. Mm. Yet uh, the, the amount of uh, the, the, the fluctuation in the price is almost daily. So if they buy it at X, it seems to be X plus one or two cents very quickly afterwards or something like that. So I, I can't see that that holds. Right. So somebody was making the point to me that it tends to go up very quickly um, depending on, on, on the cost of their, their refills, but it, it's rather slower coming down. Would you Would you go along with that, Tony? I, I would. Yes, I would. Yeah. If they get it, I don't know. They're probably getting 100,000 litres or something of a delivery. I, I really have no idea. But uh, that should only last, depending on their trade. But the price seems to fluctuate, even though they will have paid a certain price for that delivery. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how it works. Perhaps you could get somebody to actually spill the beans on, on the inside of it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure that anybody would want to spill the beans too much on what exactly is, is happening out there. I mean, you know, you say like you were happy to fill up at 166, but still by comparison, by comparison to a couple of years ago, that's still very dear, isn't it? It is still very dear when you consider that the, the crude price, um, we were, a couple of years ago, we had crude at $100 a barrel. And fuel was a lot cheaper. You see, we've had an awful lot of taxation. Yes, yeah. And um, carbon tax, things like this added on. But we also have to realise, and I suppose with with um, uh, some, uh, um, I forget the word I'm looking for, but we the, the cost of actually producing it, we're not actually just on crude. We've seen everything increase. So naturally, the cost of actually producing our diesel and petrol and, and, and kerosene things has actually risen. And of course, the cost of delivering it has actually risen. Of course, so we have to take yeah. that consideration. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Paddy Cummins from the AA, I'm not sure if you had a chance to yes, listen I to him there, Tony, yes. but uh, he, he's not holding out much hope for this to continue. He thinks to probably go back up. Uh, I, I would, I was uh, wondering uh, there a while ago, where are we being conditioned to get a two euro a litre price? Yeah. It's because um, it's, it certainly seems that way that, you know, we're we're going to be looking at high fuel prices forevermore. Um, the, of course, the news yesterday from from the state yeah. in, in relation to nuclear fusion sounds very promising. 
Yeah, um, well, nuclear is a big no-no here in terms of even having a conversation about it, Tony. Well, that, that, this is nuclear fusion. Yeah. Oh, sorry, yes. They, 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 they seem to have tracked nuclear fusion yesterday. They were, they were announced it in the States. Yes. Which could be a game-changer. In, in what way, Tony? Will you explain that to me? Well, I, I wouldn't be technically that much into it, but um, apparently it's not dangerous like the nuclear, the ordinary nuclear reactor. This yes. is fining when you actually have more energy produced than was required to, to set off the reaction. Interesting. Interesting. So you think that, that might be the way of the future? I suppose it looks like it, because if you have if you have cheap electricity, which is basically, I presume, what they would be producing with it, you can then produce your your um, fuels for, for internal combustion engines, not only just the electric vehicles. Uh, we're, we're getting in such a, a lot of prices here. I'm hearing that you can buy diesel in Erlingford for 157. Can you believe? So that's that's pretty good. In Port Leash, it can be bought for 161. Says Pat. Yeah. Um, in Thurles for 164. And again, a lot coming in about Erlingford at 157. So that's that's promising, I suppose, for now. It is for now. It's a little respite for people, but again, because of the cold weather, I don't think we're getting the same respite on heating oil prices. Um, well, it is down a bit, uh, I believe. In fact, it's down considerably. Um, I know that 1,000 litres of kerosene uh, now costs uh, 1,174, but in March it was 1,687. Mm, I, I, I suppose because we're not buying it every day like fuel, we don't see the, the fluctuation in it, maybe. Well, this is it, but uh, to point out that this time last year, 1,000 litres was just 777. So yeah, it, that, that puts it in perspective. That doesn't, doesn't it? adjust, doesn't adjust. But you're right, we're, we're getting conditioned to to sort of put up with these higher prices now. It's going to be interesting what happens. Can I ask, Tony, do you drive for a living? I would be driving for a living, really, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And what what about roads? What are you noticing out there at the moment? Is it is it difficult? I think if you take care, it's okay. Uh, I, I have to say that certainly the, the councils are gritting the main roads and things like that. And we're fairly lucky. With the, the roads, we hear people complain about them the whole time, but I think they've come on an awful lot. We, we do have a lot of good roads, uh, even though we don't have uh, motorway between everywhere. But we we do generally have pretty good roads. I, I'm not going to have a part of the council and things like that. I think you know it, it, it's hard to maintain them. And they'll do their best. I think, having been done, I suppose, six, seven hundred kilometres in the last few days, I think they've done a pretty good job. Good stuff, yeah, because I came down from Clare Morris on that new motorway. I'm not sure if you've been on it uh, from Gartop the other night. And in places it was minus six, and still the road was extremely drivable. I mean, it was fine, you know. So you're right. I suppose we should be thankful about some of our roads, at least. Good to talk to you, Tony. Happy Christmas to you. And the same to everybody there. Thank you. Bye-bye to you now. That's Tony speaking to us this morning. Patricia joins me now. Patricia, good morning to you. Good morning, Brian. And uh, good to talk to you today. Will you tell me about your uh, difficulties? You're on disability, Patricia. Is that right? That's right, Brian, yeah. And will you tell me what is happening for you? Well... You know, the government brought out this um, thing that if you were having difficulty paying your bills, that you could apply for um, or essential needs kind of thing. Yes. To, you know, is that to the community welfare officer? Yes. Is that right? Yes. Yes. You know, if you're having difficulty paying bills like your ESB or say your washing machine broke down and you needed a new one, 
they'd help you um, finance it. Yes. Now, I got um, an ESB bill in August. I've had another one since and I've paid both, but it has been extremely difficult. And I got um, I got the forms and everything and I filled them out to get help with the first ESB bill in August. Mm-hmm. And I'm still fighting it to try and get help with it. I mean, you know, if the government are going to bring out these things, why are they making it so difficult for people to try and get it? If these are the people that are under the headings that can get the aid. I have sent so many letters, so many up-to-date bank statements, so many phone calls. I even rang again yesterday and I was told I had to appeal it, you see. So it's gone to the higher office for appeal. Now, this has nothing to do with the um, amount of money that we all got off our our um, uh, electricity bills, or the no. like, is it? No. And, no. and did you get that, that first 200 I, euro off your bill? Well, the one a good while ago, I got that one. Right. And namely, there's another one due. Yes. But, that, but that's what the woman said to me on the phone. But, you know, she said, aren't you going to get that 200 euro? Isn't that supposed to help you on your bill? I said, excuse me, I said, but everybody gets that, not just disability or anybody under bed headings. And tell me, what what is life like for you? I mean, are you really struggling to make ends meet uh, at this well, point, Patricia? Well, put it this way, at the moment now, because I've had to pay out two, two ESP bills, and I'm sure there's another one on its way shortly, and the man will be at the door wanting to read the meter. Yes, it is difficult. And tell me about your disability. Well, I have osteoarthritis, um, which is pain. It can be painful enough, and the cold weather does not help. I've had surgery on both my hands, two on one hand and one on the other. So you find um, it hard to get around, I guess, do you? Well, I, I, not too bad. I mean, my legs aren't too bad, but my back and my hands are really, really bad. So I, can, I suppose at long distances I can't walk. Have you spoken to some local representatives, Patricia? I have. I've pain in my face from talking to them. Right. And you're not getting any... Well, they say, um, you know, it's all legislation and it's, you know, you can do or try, you know, by all means and all that. But, you know, they're not giving me any hope and they're not giving me, you know, i kind of saying, look, leave it with me. I know I can do this for you. You know, and they say, but they're not. They're just saying, look, it's all about legislation and we have to follow things, you know. I mean, I've gone quite high up with this now. And right. And what what reason are they giving you that you can't benefit from the community welfare officer? Well, you see, I have a son living with me. He won't be living with me much longer. Mm-hmm. He's moving out. He's got... He did very well in his exams, so good, good. he got first-class honours and he's going to go on with his own career. Now, he is working. He gives me 80 hours a week. Now, a lot of people might think that's a lot, but I'm trying to help him in as much as I can. Mm. You know, the price of rents, and it's just horrendous. So they're yeah. taking his income into account. Is that, yeah. is that what which I don't think is fair. Not when he's trying to save... Um, for things like rent and he's going to have to have a car for the kind of job he'll be looking for. Right. 
So, but but that is the reason they're giving you as to why you can't benefit from community welfare. And I had uh, um, some money in. He asked me to hold on to some money for him for um, just to hold it because he didn't get time to go to the bank or, or anything like that. So he said, "Ma'am, you're going to town when you do that. And mind it for me. I'm, I come and get it from you then." Now he put a letter in, signed it, dated it, and told them that he had got his money back but that he hadn't put it in to the bank because he was using it on his weekly expenses, you know. Right. But but that was taken into account as being your money, is that it? Yeah, but it wasn't. Right. I only... And I did you explain You explain that to them, um, did you? Yes, I did several times. Right, but but they're they're still sticking to their... Sticking to their goal. decision, is that it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. What are you waiting on now then? I mean, have they made a final decision on this or can you appeal it again? Um, no, I'm waiting on the final decision. Right. I rang them yesterday and it's at that stage. It's gone to somebody high up in the office. Right. But it's in there for maybe nine, ten days now. And they say it could take six to nine weeks. I mean, I don't have six to nine weeks. Because the next bill will be in and I, I, it'll It'll more than clear me. I just want the money is not there to pay the next bill. You were saying to Emma as well that you feel that other people in this country, maybe people coming into this country, that they seem to do better. Is that is that the point you were making? I I, I feel it, Fran, because let's be honest, it's landed in their lap when they land here. I have seen TV things and fine, young, strong men, only men, coming into this country and they're getting places to stay straight away, medical cars, unemployment, the whole lot. They don't even have to ask for it. Right. Well, it's not, it's not just young men, as you know, it's, it's mothers. Oh, I know, children, it's, so. it's women and children yeah. and that I can understand. They need it for fine young men. Why aren't they in their own countries fighting for their country? Why are they all over here? I think if they're parents of children of a certain age that they're... Well, these look right. like men now in their 20s. And, right. You know, I've seen it on Facebook, I've seen and, it on and, news. Things. And what what do you believe? Do you believe that's taking away from the ability of... It is to look at... Welfare to look after people like yourself, is that... Yeah, and a lot of Irish people are in dire need. I mean, that poor young woman that died the other night in a tent. You know, a 70-year-old man... I saw on, on the news yesterday he was sleeping outside in the freezing cold right. and he had no place to go. And uh, that's that's very, very tragic indeed. I'm sorry, but there's no asylum seekers sleeping on the streets. There aren't All right. only Irish well, people. Patricia, we'll follow your story and we'll make some inquiries on your behalf if that's OK and we'll see what we can get. Is, is that all right? All right, but uh, we wish you well, Patricia, and thank you for telling me your story. Thank you. Thanks, Frank. Thank you. Bye-bye to you now. That's uh, Patricia speaking to us today. How do you feel about that? 1800 938 007. The text and WhatsApp is 83 Brian uh, joins me now. Brian, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? Uh, good to talk to you. And thanks for making time for us today, Brian, because I know you're, you're, you're extremely busy. But you, you're a lorry driver, Brian. And from what I gather from your communication with us, you're kind of cross about some of the driving you're seeing out there. Oh, uh, yeah. Savage, some of it. I don't get 
they don't get ready for the summer or a bit of rain, yet alone the winter. Yeah. Like, you know, like you see cars. I heard you, a lady was talking to you yesterday about bulbs. And yeah. I even passed a car this morning in Carlo at half seven this morning, never even had lights on, full stop. Well, funnily enough, this morning I was coming into Glanmill and uh, at Ardguia Hill there, there was a car coming up there with absolutely no lights on at all. I mean, yeah. zero in the dark, you know, so it, it, it beggars belief. Do you think that we don't prepare? Is that what it is, Brian? Yeah, I think, I think everyone's in too much of a rush, like, you know, I mean, I don't use my car a lot. I take a lorry home, so I don't have to go out and clean the car, but there's times I do. Yeah. I just go out leave it running on the drive and go and have a cup of coffee and then come out and she's good right so you make sure it's properly defrosted it's, it's properly defrosted I mean I'm not saying I'm the best driver in Ireland you know or England but you know I try my best I and carry bulbs why I mean, do it's law in Europe why do you think that drivers need to spend a day in a lorry or in a kind of a simulator of truck driving it, well it, I mean personally I mean you see I'm not saying that car drivers are to blame for every accident that involves a lorry. And I wouldn't know what the percentages are, but I'd say there's a fair high percentage of drivers that have a collision with a lorry and it's not the lorry driver's fault. So, like they do a speed awareness course to stop someone getting points. Mm. So then if someone has caused a serious accident that's going to get done for dangerous driving or careless driving, Throw them in the simulator. Give them the points if they have. But see what we have to put up with, like. You know. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I was making the point yesterday that uh, when, you, when you're when tested to, to get your full licence, uh, the motorway plays no part in that test, which I find incredible. So then you have young drivers, brand new licence, uh, going on the motorway for the first time. Yeah, that's always been the way. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I, I passed my test for the lorry in 1988. And back then, you could go from driving a Mini to driving a 38-ton truck on the motorway. And so, I mean, things have changed now. They have right. different tests. They have to drive a small lorry before they can drive a big lorry. Right, but there was always crazy things happening, I suppose. Oh, yeah. You, I mean, you'd get car drivers hiring a 7.5-ton lorry because their licence says they can drive it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I always, I, I hold my hands up and say, I'm not sure if you're aware, Brian, but what happened here in 1979, there was such a backlog of uh, licences, they gave us all a licence for free, without any tests, just to get rid of the uh, backlog. So, I know. Uh, a friend of mine lives here, he, he got given a HGV and a bus licence. <laughs> for Straight away, like, for free? Yeah, he, he just got it. <laughs> An Irish solution to an Irish problem, Brian. You can't, you, you can't beat it. Can I ask you, what, what are the roads like out there you've been driving this morning? How, how are you finding uh, things? It's a bit cold out Carlo. Tipperary, I'm in Clock Jordan, which yeah. is cold this morning, but um, Carlo's not too bad. Right. It's cold, but the roads are fairly good. Okay. Um, I'm just in Tallow at the minute, and that's not too bad. All right, well, it's really yeah. good to chat to you, Brian, and be safe on the road, and thank you for coming on with me this morning. Thank you. No problem at all. Thank you. Good morning right. to you. That's uh, Brian, who's out and about in the lorry. Uh, in truck driving today. So if you're uh, just keep into your head, I suppose that uh, trucks find it much more difficult to uh, 
to uh, react, I suppose, quickly enough if you do something silly on the road. Just just to be aware of that, I suppose, not to sound too patronising. Oh eight three three double one double three double one. All right, we'll uh, we'll take a break. Back in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. And you're very welcome back to uh, Tip Today. Now, big response uh, to uh, Brian speaking to me there, the lorry driver. And people, of course, very quick to point out that uh, lorry drivers are not perfect by a long shot. And we're getting some examples of how they drive from time to time, particularly, it seems to be uh, on my screen here, uh, about uh, how people drive on the motorways in the big trucks and all of that. But there you go. Oh, wait, three. Three double one double three double one. Now Mulligan's Pharmacy Group are set to open a brand new pharmacy, cafe and lifestyle store at Clonmel's old post office. Now the Heritage Building is sitting, as you probably know, at the top of uh, Gladstone Street in Clonmel Town Centre. Now uh, to talk to me about this new venture, I'm delighted to be joined by Ronan uh, Mulligan, who is Managing Director of Mulligan's Pharmacies. Good morning to you, Ronan. And to all your listeners. And you're extremely welcome indeed. And congratulations to you. It's the most beautiful building, I think. Uh, why, Why did you decide on that building? Well, uh, look, all of these uh, these things take years and in this case it's taken a lot of years because we've this was a pre-pandemic kind of decision. Uh, I suppose we could see Clonmel uh, changing. You know, the, the, we're in marketplace and, you know, there was uh, a continual dilapidation which is really unfortunate. Yes. You know, we, we, there's been a lot of problems there recently with fires in the old Super Valley and we just... Um, that was one of the reasons like there's only uh, I, I saw May's Cafe closed there last week which mm. is real sad because mm. they've, they've been uh, fighting a rearguard action for years and I was hoping they'd survive or, or they'd choose to stay but um, so I suppose we, we looked um, many years ago when we came to Clonmel uh, you know uh, the whole city centre was thriving marketplace was thriving and just for reasons of planning we had two developments outside of the this the town the city and and we participated in that we went to the western road uh, at the time so you know we began to look and say well we were giving a kind of you know we have a pharmacy uh, project we like to kind of give a really good service um and we had all these big brands that were kind of saying, well, if you don't kind of improve where you are and the footfall, you know, we won't be able to stay with you. So we looked around for a building and we couldn't. There was the post house, this most beautiful building that had been kind of left, you know, had been empty for yeah. three yeah. or four years. So, you know, we uh, it, it took a while, but we, you know, and there was a lot of issues around planning because it's kind of like Anthony Foley used to say about the Munster jersey was something like this, you only own it for a little while. Yes. And we knew we were getting into something that there's certain controls you don't have. Mm. and the, the, But then that's really honed what we've created. It's We then changed our view. It's not just going to be a pharmacy and we, we wanted to turn it into a lifestyle event a pharmacy, there's a beauty hall, we have a brand new beauty hall, we have a cafe on the first floor, we have a whole area at the back that we've created for gifting and kind of cosmetics and what young people will enjoy and people that want to spend time. Like pharmacy, I've always said, it's kind of, it's unfortunate, but we trade in misery. It's it's people's healthcare and you don't go to a pharmacy unless yes. you have to. And it's all about making the journey more enjoyable. 
And I, I think part of this, I learned growing up, um, you know, I have a temporary connection in that my grandmother had a, a, a shop in Nina or Kennedy's. Um, it was the most unique place, a little grocery shop, you know, and I learned the value of a yard counter uh, and how to make the best of it. But the experience that that shop, when we used to work there for the summers, my uncle was a politician, a TD for many years in North Tipperary, and you'd have all it was it was a meeting house yes. for all sorts. Now, Michael Kennedy, yeah, was, yeah, yeah, and but you know, as I said to you before we came on air, we were still debating who shot Michael Collins. The civil, <laughs> it was interesting to watch the civil war in Northern yes, Ireland, the whole history, and that was discussed along with the rosary, the price of a loaf of bread, and anything else that went on the day. But every car- people used to sit there for hours and I always thought this experience everyone would talk to each other on the way in and you know, some people wouldn't talk depending on where you came from or what your politics were but that was creating an experience and we've always found as a retailer that our objective was not just to be mainstream you know we have a drive through in Waterford we're on the you know we go to different places we don't and we we build into the environment and the community that we operate in. That's that's very interesting. A lot of a lot of businesses impose a franchise look on on where they are, so it's it's the same everywhere. But you don't do that. You know? No, yeah. I, we often say as a family business, we we fight over the model. But this is we make it up as we go along somehow. Yes. You know, but that's that's not really the case. It's. You know, I'm very proud of places that we go to where we're the single pharmacy. It's not all four or five thousand square yeah. feet. We're in places like Dunmore East and Pilltown, you know, and Thomastown. It's yes. and they don't regard it as Mulligan's pharmacy. They see it as the community pharmacy. The it's pharmacy. theirs. So community is very important, obviously. Well, it and is. that social aspect uh, to it as well. That element too, of you so. feel like you're the post office element of it where there isn't a post yes. office it's where people kind of kind of find their way to and the interesting thing about um, I suppose what we're doing in the post house and it is a beautiful building we've also bought the adjoining building which is the old Elveries and we got we have planning for a, um, a healthcare se- a health centre and you know maybe GP surgery um, you know there's a lot of interest in taking space once they see we occupy it because there's a little there's a kind of a health ecosystem going on there. Of if you course, look, Specsavers yes. is nearby. There's dental clinic. You know, so we thought, let's bring these services back into town. You know, not allow and, them all. Kind and of what a boost it is for that area of town because I hope uh, so. Yeah, not many people are investing in the town, which is a pity. You know, well, and and it's it's a, it's a great bonus. There's that a you've great opportunity so. in Clonmel. There's some. Yeah. You know, it has always been a great town for uh, for us. I think if you look. Um, there's there's some big things still to happen. Whether you know, Bulmers bring in the kind of visitor centre. Yeah. Whether the uh, the old Clonmel Arms is rebuilt, and these are big anchors that will rebuild yes. Clonmel. You know, we're not. You know, we feel we're playing our part. We hope people when they see it, they'll respond accordingly and come back into the town centre. And you're opening officially on this coming Friday. Uh, as I said to you, I'm not sure. You know, it's it, it's, it's a very chaotic di- at the moment. It's chaotic. We've yeah. about fifty people working inside, and it's we have, you know, any amount of uh, tradesmen who are telling the staff or my staff to get out of the way. But we're training up. We've we've we're creating six new jobs in 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 uh, in Clamel, which we're very proud of. Very, very good we're, indeed. Yeah. You know, I, I'm just thinking, Ronan, that the role of the pharmacist and the pharmacy has changed drastically since your parents sort of started in 57 I think it was was it? Well it, it used to be a real market town mm. you know even 
I remember my father driving to Dublin to collect all the medicines for other pharmacies in the 70s, you know, and everything was literally done on a Friday and a Saturday. Mm. People used the market town mentality and they drove into town. Park, everyone had, there was free parking everywhere. The prescription was held till the Friday because you went to the same place. Yes. And it was about just getting the, you know, uh, the medicines out there. And obviously there wasn't as many medicines. You know, as we get older as a community, there's much more chronic illness mm. there. There's much more... Uh, much more difficult, uh, I suppose, health cases to be concerned. And we were a growing population with an international flavour. Yes. So that creates a lot of complications. So we found, you know, I suppose our pharmacies, and certainly in the main, you know, we try to keep 25% of them open seven days a week. People want to see the pharmacist. Literally, I always say, it's the last professional offer that's free. You can go into a pharmacist, get advice and walk away without spending yeah. And we like we ask people to to use that service. You know, COVID presented huge challenges and our staff and our, our, our I suppose our, our retail operations stayed open throughout COVID. We got no supports. Mm-hmm. Everything we did we had to provide for ourselves. And we had to figure it out as we went along how to protect our customers and our staff. And everybody when we couldn't get to see the GP, everybody was pointing out the pharmacy and saying go go talk to your pharmacist. Well, look, every I suppose community kind of as a, as a community as a country as a, a global I mean there was a real trend towards globalism everyone wanted people have gone back to localism and supporting so we had to reset how we did our business we had to reset our relationships with our GPs and our customers our patients you know, up till then, it was all about you know, uh, this electronic prescribing of prescriptions mm-hmm. which health mm-hmm. mail that was, that was on trial for 10 years within the HSC. Overnight, that was activated and it's made a huge difference. Now, we spend a lot, we now have one person literally dedicated in every pharmacy on the phone back to GPs because there's, there's, there, there's elements we need to kind of uh, work through that right. haven't quite worked. But our workload has increased, but the, uh, I, I think the contribution of the pharmacist to the, and the pharmacy to the community is immense. And, and that's probably going to be part of your next answer to me, but I mean, here are you making a huge investment in bricks and mortar when an awful lot of pharmacies are going online and some pharmacies only being online in fact yeah well th- that's a difficulty because that face to face we're we're very determined to deliver that face to face contribution you know where we can interact with the patient the customer and make you know make not just their day you know people are now looking after their parents you know, they're not all going to nursing homes. People are living at home and we're trying to, you know, we're putting in new robotics in certain pharmacies that make that more efficient, this whole phase medicine. Um, you know, that experience has to be better. That kind of, because I think one saw the difficulty of what happened in a pandemic in nursing homes. So a lot of people are afraid to put their parents or their loved one into a nursing home. Mm. So people have been managed at home and we, we're a big part of how we kind of deliver that. You know, so, you know, we're, like as a company we're based across the southeast you know and services we we can create in Waterford we deliver to Clonmel and vice versa Mm. you know we're learning every time we go into a community how to make things better Um, Mm. we are look we're hoping also to open in Carrigan-Shore which is another part of Tipperary but you know we got planning for a drive through and and coffee shop just beside the the hospital and and the new primary care centre in Carrigan-Shore very good Uh, nearly 16, 17 months ago, but it's been in, and it's probably topical with you today, it's been on on board Planola since. And and it is very topical today. I mean, have you found that over over the years? Have you difficulty with planning anyway? Yeah, well look, unfortunately, there's one objection, 
and it's by a competitor who feels doesn't want us to be operational. Right. Well, we, we, and that's we not right. We really go into that, but, but that holds everything up well, then, is that? It right? does, but I now have to, like, in, in the interim, I guess the costs have gone up 30%, interest rates have gone up 3%, and staffing, you know, this is all, I suppose, we keep getting curveballs in the, in the economy, you know. We thought, coming out of the pandemic, let's go again, you know. Yes. Uh, then suddenly, the, you know, there's a Ukraine war, and which is dreadful. And that's very difficult for any economy where, you know, we need to kind of do more for... Uh, and that puts pressure on all healthcare systems. The next thing is, there's a cost of living crisis, and then the cost of staffing goes up. So the model is beginning to be challenged in every model, not just mine, yeah. every retail can, model. Not that I want to get you into a row or anything, no. but I mean, can I ask your opinion about the HSE from your point of view of what you say? Because we hear about ridiculous things like compatibility between computer systems and all of that. Well, what are you seeing on the ground there? I, I'm seeing, I, I think it's getting. Anyone will tell you, you get within the service. It's a magnificent service. If you have a, you know, if you have a kind of a genuine, a serious chronic illness, they will get you into the system and they will deal with you. I think the issues of getting, you know, we, we view the HSE through the lens of an A&E department and I, they do have to extend the A&E departments. But, you know, the issue is there's so many job vacancies that they need to, to complete this jigsaw. They do... You know, it's much bigger than A and E, but that is the part of the problem. Most of us feel, you know, under how do you how do you get into hospital? Do you go in through A and E? How do you get a referral? Yes. There's too many waiting lists. They need to break them down, because, you know, I think we're 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 going to have a, a tsunami of issues emerging post pandemic. I don't think I'm a genius to be telling you that a lot of yeah. conditions went undiagnosed Absolutely. during, and that yeah. was nothing to do with the HSE. That was human nature. People just didn't feel they wanted, you know, as a community, they didn't venture out. They, they were know, afraid of surgery. Everywhere, fact, every, yeah. every healthcare institution was under pressure. And then yeah. you had that cyber attack. Yeah. I mean, I was, I had some appointments during that and my consultant couldn't find any information out about me. And, you know, again, it, was, it would have been a wasted visit. Yes. It wasn't anything serious, but had no information at his disposal. So... Uh, you know, I think it needs to be more localised to recognise what the, the problems within, you know, it doesn't necessarily, I, I don't think it'll be solved by having a hospital in every town. Yes. I think we have to accept there won't be a hospital. If you want critical services, they have to be in the bigger hospitals. That's in the, right. Otherwise, you won't well, get the quality well, of service. What we've seen is the centres of excellence hasn't exactly worked out as the vision no, was, they need, you know. Unfortunately, they need yeah. more funding. Yeah. You know, that's that's the future of healthcare. You know, we're growing old as a community. I mean, you know, the illnesses that yeah, existed for years, be they oncology, cancer, cardiac, are being treated and solved a lot quicker. But as a community, we're getting, we're getting older. older and, you know, we've had uh, dementia, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's and all these issues in their 80s provide huge complications. Well, it's lovely to speak to you today and it's great to hear a good news story for the town of Clamwell. Do you think Friday possibly or will, will you, well, you push uh, it out a little bit? I, if, I hope none of my staff are listening. They're all working inside. Yeah, Friday's the day. Friday's we'll be open. Please join us and, and you know... Um, uh, we'd, we'd be delighted to see you all customers okay. old and new. Well, many congrats to you, Ron, and lovely to meet you for the first Thank time you, as well. Man. Thank lovely you indeed. Tony O'Toggs and all the chat. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Instead of getting stuck. Tip today 
with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat, and uh, welcome back to Tip Today, 1800 We have that prize to give away. It's uh, afternoon tea for two at the Talbot Hotel in Clonmel, and that's based on your interaction with us by WhatsApp and text. And if you want to put Talbot, Talbot even, at the end of your contribution, uh, we will pop you in the draw. Listen, says, my son is on disability allowance. He's in private rental on a HAP scheme. The house is way too big for his knees, uh, needs and it's below the F-bar rating. It's costing a fortune to heat. Um, the fire cannot be lit because the smoke goes in the room. And there's a problem with the chimney. No sign of the landlord sorting it out. He has children. He's raising them on his own and he's waiting for a council house for the last 10 years. He ran out of oil. He sent an application to the welfare officer and got a letter back to say that he was getting enough money to pay for oil himself. And now oil companies will only deliver 300 litres and above and he doesn't have the money to buy in bulk like that. I'm on a carer's allowance and I had to buy the 300 litres for him. So there's really no help out there at all. Um, This is one of our listeners. Um, Jim was on to us and he says, There you are, Fran. I came on your programme not so long ago and that lady justified my argument about charity beginning at home. Um, a child's income shouldn't be included with the parent income or vice versa and TDs are useless, says one of our listeners. Uh, somebody else is saying that uh, I'm still waiting on the November ESB money. That's it from Tom, who's in Clonmel today. And somebody mentioning another town not too far away uh, saying that liter, uh, a litre of diesel there is 189. 189. So we're hearing um, about uh, 157 or so uh, in Earlingford, and it reaches 189 in uh, a, a village around the county as well. Isn't that very interesting indeed? So how do you feel about that? 83 311 Now we heard uh, the weather forecast from Pat there just a few moments ago. Let's hear a little more now from Alan O'Reilly of Carlo Weather. And this is what Alan had to say to us a little earlier on. Hello, Alan O'Reilly from Carlo Weather here. Well, the coldest night of this cold spell will happen tonight with temperatures dropping to below minus 7 degrees, possibly dropping to as low as minus 9 or even minus 10 degrees in parts of the Midlands. But really a very cold night with temperatures dropping very quickly after dark. Staying cool tomorrow, temperatures struggling to get above 0 to 2 degrees. And another very cold night for Thursday night with frost again widespread, minus 7, minus 8 degrees possible once again. It will stay cold also for Friday um, and into Saturday. Things will slowly start to improve with temperatures increasing slowly from Saturday, but still a cool day on Saturday. By Sunday, we will see some milder air coming up, but also some wind and rain. So a big change on Sunday and that will last into Monday. However, it does look likely now that it will turn cooler for Tuesday and for Wednesday of next week. A lot of uncertainty beyond that. So very, very cold right up until Sunday. A bit of a mild blip for Sunday and Monday, but then possibly turning cooler again. 
And that's Alan O'Reilly there of Carlo Weather. Now, yesterday on our Dear Phil Slot, we discussed a letter that we received from a lady about her husband and her friend having an affair together. Now, the lady in question was genuinely concerned about losing her friendship with her husband's lover. Now, we had a lot of uh, reaction to this, and Molly was in touch, and uh, Molly joins me now. Good morning, Molly. Hi, Brian. How are you? I'm very well indeed, and good to talk to you. You were rather shocked with the content of this letter, Molly. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, obviously no respect from her husband or her friend, because if there was respect there, it's not something that they would do. Mm. You know, like, I don't see, like, if you're married and your marriage is falling down, like, I mean, have the respect for your wife or your husband to tell them that the marriage is over, especially if there's kids involved as well. Yeah, it's interesting. It's the most peculiar letter that we got, I think, since we we started with the thing. And just for people who mightn't have heard it, the the notion, you you know the story well, Molly, the notion is that... uh, um, she discovered that the husband was having an affair with her best friend and she seems, um, you know, easy enough about that so long as she doesn't lose the friendship of of the lady in question, her husband's mistress. So uh, what do you read into, into that? To me, she seems to be more interested in keeping her friendship with her friend than she is with her husband. Yeah. Like, and she's on about her home life, you know, that it doesn't affect her home life. But... Why would you want to live like that? Like, would you have that low self-esteem or lack of respect for yourself that you would allow somebody to treat you like that? Yeah. And she seems that, you know, she's willing to tolerate that where where the relationship is concerned and that, you know, if she doesn't talk about it too much, she might retain the friendship. But you'd wonder how she could be friends with your woman. Uh, I, I just don't get it. Like, I mean... How could you be friends with somebody that you know that's sleeping with your husband? Mm. It's just not right. I think there's something amiss there. You know, like maybe she's trying to justify something that is she having an affair herself and she's putting it out there to justify that this is okay. Who knows? Oh, I see what you're saying to me now. So you're saying there's much that we might know about this. Yeah, um, yeah it's, okay. very, it's a very peculiar letter for the way she wrote it. So right. you're saying it could be some sort of open relationship and because of that she can tolerate uh, what's going yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. But again, she's focused on her home life and her and having a relationship with her friend. Mm. She's not mentioning that she's keen on keeping the relationship with her husband. Yeah, it's a, As I say, I, I was bowled over by the mm. particular... But you obviously know more about this than me, but if, if two women get together, I presume part of their general conversation will be the relationships in their lives. Absolutely. Um, so how could they kind of discuss that, knowing that each of them have the benefits of your man? Well, she's a very strong woman to sit across the table with her if she's having conversations with her, knowing that this woman is sleeping with her husband. Yeah. You know, that's a very odd way unless they had an open relationship. Yes. And, you know, something there's just something in me. Right, but she doesn't she doesn't indicate that in, in the letter. No. no, she doesn't. No. But like for her friends even to still be around her, like and it's a work colleague that's working with them as from what I got from the letter. That's right, like, yeah. It's it's a, that they worked in the same place for over no, they all worked in the same place for 20 years. Small staff there, some of us great friends 
And uh, one lady in particular that she's close with, quite flirty, especially with her husband. And then she found out that the husband and the flirty lady were having it off, so to speak. So, Well, my opinion to that would be she needs to get respect for herself and she needs to get rid of both of them out of her life. Do you think so? Because they're not, they're not showing respect to her at all. But, you know, the most important um, sentence in the in the letter is and this is a quote from it, she says, the surprising thing for me is that when I found out I wasn't really bothered. What what does that say to you? Well, she had obviously lost the love for her husband then already. Yes. So you it's, know, the, the, the it's over as far as you're concerned. Well, from what she's saying, yeah. Like, why would you want to live in a house with somebody that you're not in love with and whoever you married? Yeah. You need to move on. Like, life is short. You need to live it. You can't live in an environment like that because to me that's not a healthy environment. Right. She says, I don't have a problem with them having a sexual relationship as long as it doesn't come at the cost of our marriage and home yeah. life or the cost of my friendship with my colleague. It's just so odd. It's just, it just does not seem right. Right. Molly, will you answer the question then that she poses? She says, what I'm wondering is, should I confront my husband or even both of them and tell them that I know what's going on or should I just leave it to them? Absolutely confront him. Right. Absolutely. And she should make it clear that she's aware of it. And if she have any self-respect for herself, she will get rid of him. Both of them? Absolutely, yeah. Out of, out of her life, yeah. It's, yeah, because that's not a friend. A friend don't do that and neither should your husband if if you're married for so long and you have respect for somebody, have the respect to finish it and move on. Yeah, she said, my husband and I have been married for 30 years and while we have a good marriage, I wouldn't say he lights my world on fire. <laughs> he obviously did for some point of it because if they're married for 30 years. I suppose so, I suppose yeah. so. Yeah, well, she still describes it as a good marriage, but anyway, it's interesting. Yeah, but it seems more of a friendship than a marriage. Yeah. You know, and I guess, you know, people drift apart over years and stuff like that. But it's a 50-50 relationship and what you put in is what you get back. Mm. Do you know, and obviously something must have went to slip. You know, they just got too settled in their ways and then he they lost the attraction to each other, like, you know. Yeah, it's it's interesting, but anyway, he's uh, having his fun with the flirty lady and all of that. So uh, absolutely, anyway, get well, rid I of them both, Molly. Is that absolutely. what you're saying? Absolutely, oh, push them both out the door. <laughs> right. <laughs> Happy Christmas to you, Molly. Look after you yourself. You too, friend. Bye bye. Okay, bye bye. Bye bye. And uh, text and WhatsApp oh eight three three double one double three double one. Um, you can have a perfectly healthy, open relationship. It just requires communication. Uh, she should say most of what she has said to her friend and her husband. There's somebody. Um, let me just read that to you again. You can have a perfectly healthy, open relationship. It just requires communication. And uh, she should say most of what she had to say to uh, her friend and her husband. Isn't that an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, 083 What do you make of that? Uh, the lady with the flirty husband should confront them both and don't be a fool, it says here. Rosemary says that lady has a great lifestyle. The husband is loaded and she's not giving up all the privileges that comes with him, says Rosemary. So again, that's that's <laughs> that's reading into the letter a little because we don't get an indication of whether he's wealthy or not in the uh, in the, uh, the letter. 
Um, Willie says, my wife ran away with my best friend and I miss him. Thanks for that, Willie. Um, okay, lots more coming in on that. Some of it, <laughs> some of it I just can't possibly uh, read out to you, but there you go. I'm always delighted to hear that a music venue um, opens up or reopens indeed. And I was uh, chatting to my great friend uh, John Fitzpatrick of Fitzpatrick's uh, Country Club. Uh, in uh, Clanmore and he was telling me they're back up and running for uh, music and they kick off this coming Sunday night with another friend of mine, Pat Costello will be there for dancing and on Stevens's night, uh, Michelle Murphy is there and on New Year's Eve, uh, dancing to Peter Burke as well, so it's a venue back open again which is fantastic news altogether and I know that Sunday lunch has always been a great tradition there and it's between 12 and 6.30, it was a little late for Sunday lunch but sure who's counting, so that's Fitzpatrick's Country Club Clanmore and they want to wish everybody a happy Christmas as well. And it was nice to chat to John again recently. We need to take a break. We're back in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slatteries of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slatteries. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now, you're very welcome back. Um, A feathered listener on to say, Fran, I'm separated nearly 40 years and divorced over 30 years. I've kept my married name. It didn't make any difference in my life. Another listener says, I'm legally separated for 20 years. When I went to get all my public, to get my public card in social welfare, I asked about going back to my maiden name. I was told I'd have to change all of my accounts first and use my maiden name on all transactions for two two years before I could change. It just wasn't worth the effort. And somebody saying, if you divorce somebody, why would you want their name? Yeah, well, it's the practical area of of it seems to be part of the issue that uh, there's a certain amount of difficulty in changing all of your paperwork, I suppose, along the way. Now, we had a voice message from one of our listeners um, regarding regarding the notion of an open relationship. I know many people in open relationships. You can have a perfectly happy one and healthy one if both partners just sit down and talk about it. It's not for everyone. But if it is, it just means that there's one less way that the relationship is restricting and there's just one less thing to ever have to worry about. Yeah, and that's in from uh, one of our listeners on a voice message to us on 0833113311. Now, let me just uh, find one that I found very interesting. Yeah, Paul was on to us and he says, uh, polygamy, polyandry. I had to look that one up. That's where a woman has several husbands, I think. And uh, anyway, Paul says, uh, polygamy, polyandry and uh, relationships like it are not alien to human society and they tip along as happily or possibly more happily than monogamous versions. Whatever floats each party's boat, it says here. So what do you what do you make of that? Uh, 083 311 Now, on the subject of prepay power um, bills, uh, Jody is with me. Jody, good morning to you. Good morning there, friend. How is it going? Uh, going very well indeed, Jody. What What's now, your experience of those prepay meters? Oh, friend, an absolute rob. Is it? Completely. Um, I started off there about a couple of years ago with them and it was only uh, 14.5 cent per unit. Do you know how much it is today, friend? I don't know. 41.5 cent per unit. Per unit. Wow. So, uh, their last drive, they, they told us about it this time, I couldn't understand. I said, why is my meter going down so fast? 
And I was away on Sunday and I came back. Excuse, I'm a bit hoarse now because I've been, I got the dreaded COVID and oh. bronchitis on top of it. Oh, God, you poor <laughs> Thinking thing. that I was infallible. I wouldn't get it, but I did anyway, but I'm getting there now. But anyway, excuse me. <clears throat> came back anyway and I checked my meter and it said that I had used 8 euros and 60 cents. Mm. And I said, what? In the name of God, there was nobody here. While you were away? So, while I was away. Mm. So I pressed the button anyway because it gives you, the, number one gives you how many days you've left. Number two gives you how much, uh, what you've used the previous day mm. and number three then gives you how much per unit. So I went in how much per unit to see it was gone to 41.5 cents per unit. Each unit you use is 41.5 cents. It's an absolute disgrace and I've spoken to a lot of people <clears throat> and talking about changing over and seemingly the company I'm with tell you, oh, you can't change over because you'll end up own us money. What? Why, why would you owe the money? Because they're saying that the, re- the meters aren't being read. It's a con, friend. It's a scam. They tell you the meter hasn't been read. Now, my meter is read. The chap comes in and reads my meter uh, once every two months and that reading is sent to mm. them and I'm paying my... my ESB every single day comes out of my money I put in. <coughs> Excuse me. I put in 100 euros per month, right? Right. In the beginning, I was getting 30 days for 100 euros. Now I'm only getting 19 days. Wow, that's an incredible yeah. difference. Have you any idea how the the, the 44... Just give me the, the initial figures because I didn't have a, a pen at the time, Jody. So it went from 14... 14.5 cent up to 41.5. For a unit. Per unit. This is per unit we're talking about. And and how have you any idea how that compares to a bill paying? Oh, crazy! It's double, and because they they charge you standing charge every day as well. It's an even if you never use electricity, they're still charging you a standard charge. Basically, of, you're paying for the meter thingy itself. Yeah, is that you're it? Pay, yeah, they're telling you that. Yeah, but uh, I have I've tried to get through to them now today, and I can't get through. But I will, and I'm just going to tell them just take the whole thing out, and I'm going back to ordinary bill pay because this is absolutely ridiculous. It's choking people, Fran. It's absolutely a disgrace. These And I can't understand why the government aren't doing something. Why aren't they capping it? It's absolutely disgraceful. You have people that, are, you know, I mean, I can only barely afford it and I'm not, I, I no means do I have a lot of money. I don't. But, I mean, I'm struggling. How about a family with children that have the dryer on, the washing machine on every day? I mean, I only put on my washing machine after 7 o'clock at night because 5 to 7 is the, dear, the dearest time, so I stay away from that and I put it on at, after right. 7. So you, you're taking great care and it's still costing yeah. you a fortune. And, I, and Fran, I cook by gas. I don't have electric cooker. Oh, for cooker. God's sake. Uh, the kettle, I don't put on my immersion, my immersion because my oil is on and the, that heats the water. So I only have a, a kettle. So the other day I picked up a kettle the other day, to just a whistling kettle that you put on your on yeah. the oil cooker and to cut out the electric, uh, to cut out the kettle. But I mean, friend, it's just a joke. I mean, it's, it's, it's just greed, these companies, they're all greed, yeah. it's greed, greed, greed. And a lot of people, you know, that choose that way to pay for their electricity, they, they might be a single mum or they might be yeah. an old age pensioner or something, yeah. somebody really, yeah. really struggling, yeah. you know? They're getting, sorry, friend, they're getting robbed, absolutely. They're, they're absolutely robbing them left, right and centre because it's just not fair. I mean, to, to jump 30 cent per, 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 we say 28 cent per unit in a, in a matter of, in a matter of, Two, two years, like it's crazy, absolutely crazy. And this time, friend, they never told us about the, they, they, they never, there was never a mention about it going up. They said, okay, there was one company in January going up, electricity, 
but uh, I think it was, but they never mentioned the company I'm with. It was never mentioned going up nothing on, until I just checked my meters. Jeez, and and tell me again, Jody, if you want to go back to bill pay now, how how will it cost you, or what, well, or what you will it cost you? Well, what that's what what they are saying is that if you go back to if you want to get get away from them and go back to a bill pay, they are telling you they could quote you any sort of money. They don't care. They could say, well, you owe us 5000 You can't get away from us. Now, that's just a very ad- exaggerated rate. I don't honestly know until I'm going to ring them now today. Right. And, and have you known anybody who have yeah, well, made that on, transition? Yeah, a lot of people have made that transition and yeah. they just keep saying to them, oh, you owe, you can't move, you owe us money, you owe us money. But there's no way you owe the money because my meter now might be in towns and cities where they're not sending in somebody to read the meter. But my meter is being read every two months right, and so. I, the man I know him so well, I can actually go to him and ask him, would you give me the reader meter readings and I'll send it into them because if they if I have an issue with them but right. I'm just but, going to but are they estimating I... your, your your bill is that it no. even though you're getting your your meter read yeah no I, I you see when he reads the meter he just sends it into the, the yes. company yeah. and they then they then I suppose take uh you see with an with a bill that's how the bill goes that they they the meter reading is sent in and they they take the price of the ESB from that. But with us, with when you're on a prepaid, when you're on the uh, meter company and whatever, you put in your money. I put it in once a month. I was getting 30 days per month. Now I'm only getting 19 days per month. So I'm down, what, 11 days of electricity because of all the hikes. Good God. What about the benefit of the 200 euro? Um... Oh, sure. That went just, 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 they just gobbled that up. That just gobbled it. Yeah, it was brilliant to get it, but it just gobbled. It just absolutely went through it like like wildfire. Right. But 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 let me ask you about that, because if you say €100 Euro per month, you're paying, that should have covered you for two months, but it didn't, yeah, but obviously. No, didn't? Now, now, no, no, now it only covers you for 19, 38 days. It only covers you, 200 now will only cover you for 38 days. Right. Where it should cover you for 40, uh, 60 days. Right, so that's gone so that's now, basically, is that it? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, look at Fran, all I'm saying is that it's just so unfair on families trying to struggle with children for Christmas, the whole lot. They, the government have done nothing right. They threw money at us, given money, 200 euro to families and whatever. It's lovely, it's brilliant to get it, delighted. But they have to do something about the, the, the cost because this is not going to end here. We are actually going to go to, I'd say, 50 cent per unit, which is absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely yeah, uh, madness. The trouble about the 200 euro and uh, the, the further payments of 200, it goes yeah. to, to Michael O'Leary and the likes That's as well. It. Do you know what you I mean? Know, so it's, it's not it's, focused in any it's way. It's not, it? not at all. And absolutely not. And then they have the, the cheek to say, oh, we can't, we can't do it any other way. Of course yeah. they can. Get their fingers out and work for what they're being paid for. They're fellas there in government there are I'm sorry Fran and I don't mean to be rude but they're, they couldn't they couldn't organise a piss up in a brewery now to tell you God's honest truth they're absolutely hopeless they, they're not in the real world they live in fairyland they're living on millions and they don't care about the, the ordinary working people anymore and that's the way I, I see it you know and is that the general thinking of people you would know, Jody? Oh, absolutely, is absolutely, absolutely. Everybody is sick, tired and fed up of this government because they just don't know what they're doing. They are so disorganised. Look at the hospital, the children's hospital, all the different ideas. And, and that little boy, Danny, having to get a politician to go into the doll and fight his case because the HSC were too pig-headed and wouldn't organise anything, that is just absolutely 
heartbreaking now I'm going to cry it's heartbreaking That's and it's not the fair the little boy who, who needed Danny palliative little care little. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely and I mean thankfully he got home in his own bed with his brothers for a short few days like I mean it's just not fair friend they're just the haters you don't care anyway I've been through it with them they're absolutely obnoxious people that's all I can say all right, Jodie. Well, uh, happy Christmas to you, and look Thank after you. yourself, Jodie. And we welcomed a new little baby boy into the family, oh, so that was brilliant. So now, is that lovely sickness, news? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that was news? our brilliant news for the for for this year. Okay, friend. Right. I'll talk to you soon. Look, look after yourself, soon, Jody. Okay. Thank okay, you. Bye bye, 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 you now, and happy Christmas to you as well. And that's uh, Jodie speaking news there. Let's go to John. Good morning to you, John. Morning, Fran. How are you? Uh, good to talk to you, John. You're responding to that letter to dear Phil about the husband who's gone off with the flirty one, and the wife is thinks it's more important that she would maintain her friendship with the with the other one. Um, what do you make of it all? Well, like if that's her concern, then you know, leave the husband alone. Sure. What harm is he doing if she's only worried about the friends? You know, like if um, if they can maintain their friendship and and everyone be amicable, leave well enough alone. I would say. Right, and if that's the kind of relationship she has with the husband, do you think that's 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 fine as far as you're concerned? Ah, oh, yeah, live and let live. Like, sure, if if no one's getting upset about that, and her only concern is is her friendship with her friend, I I don't see why people are are getting so hung up about the whole thing. Yeah, well, most of the advice we've been getting on social media and even from our listeners this morning is that she should kick kick both of them out of her <laughs> life. But you're saying it's not as simple as that, is that is that it, John? Um. Well, kick both of them out of her life, then she doesn't get her issues solved and she's left unhappy, then she has no friend and no partner, mm. whatever the partner is doing with her friend, like, mm. you know, so that, that'll only leave her lonely and no one else's situation has changed, really. So would you would your advice to her be um, steady as she goes and sort of continue on in this way and not confront either the hubby or your woman? Well, I... My advice to her would just be completely with two people sit in the same company and she's able to sit in the company with the other two people involved and be comfortable with it and her only concern is her friendship with her friend. Mm. Just lay it all out for him and say, look, you know what's going on. Maybe they know what you know. But just say, I don't want it to affect our friendship. Yeah, it's interesting. What do you make of what Paul said to us that uh, polygamy and what was the other word he used? Polamory or something like that. Um, that, you know, it's not alien to human relationships and whatever happens, happens and go with the flow and all of that. Uh, it's, it's, if it's for certain people and they can get on with it, well and good, you know. It might not be for everyone, but, hmm. you know, like uh, there's, there's things in the world nowadays that wasn't there a hundred years ago, but that carry-on was probably always there, you know. Yeah, but, but what? We weren't talking about it or it was hidden or something. Was that it? Um, well, I don't, I don't know. Like it's, it's definitely not as hidden nowadays mm, yeah. as it would have been before, anyway. But you know, but the discretion has always been the better part of valor, I suppose, in those situations. It's interesting, but do you think it's a good thing that people, um, you know, I mean, there's, there's probably different kinds of relationships everywhere, and people, you know, what seems alien to one person is normal for another, and all of that. Do you think it should be just live and let live? Is that, is that it, I, really? I think so, yeah. Like, what, what they're doing isn't going to affect me or you. It's only yeah. affecting the people directly involved. I don't see why everyone is, is is writing in, getting so hung up about it. Like, if it's if there's no harm, leave well enough alone, you know? All right, John. Well, you look after yourself, John, and have a happy Christmas, and thank you for coming on with us. News and information's on the way. 
Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip Today. With Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on. On 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat, and uh, welcome back to the final hour of uh, Tip Today. We have that lovely prize in association with the good friends at the Talbot Hotel in Clonmel, and uh, we're celebrating the fact that you can go there or you can chat to them and buy a voucher for the hotel, for the spa, or indeed for all the other uh, great services they they, uh, supply and uh, provide. And uh, by way of celebration of that, they've given us afternoon tea for two to give away every single day this week. And that's based on your interaction with us by text and WhatsApp. And if you want to put uh, uh, Talbot Hotel at the end of your contribution, we will pop you in to the draw. Now we're on air every morning at nine, every weekday morning, that is, at uh, nine o'clock. And Brian spoke to me this morning about what he sees as a complete disregard that some drivers have on Irish roads. I was a truck driver himself. He sees things uh, every day that infuriates him. And here's just a little of what he had to say to me just after nine o'clock this morning. I even passed the car this morning in Carlo, half seven this morning, never even had lights on, full stop. Well, funnily enough, this morning I was coming into Glanmill and uh, uh, at Ardguia Hill there, there was a car coming up there with absolutely no lights on at all. I mean, no. zero in the dark. Yeah, I think, I think everyone's in too much of a rush, like, you know. I mean, I don't use my car a lot. I take a lorry home, so I don't have to go out and clean the car, but there's times I do. Yeah. I just go out, leave it running on the drive and go and have a cup of coffee and then come out and she's good. Right, so you make sure it's properly defrosted. It's, it's properly defrosted. I mean, I'm not saying I'm the best driver in Ireland. I mean, personally, I mean, you see... I'm not saying that car drivers are to blame for every accident that involves a lorry. And I wouldn't know what the percentages are, but I'd say there's a fair high percentage of drivers that have a collision with a lorry and it's not the lorry driver's fault. Like they do a speed awareness course to stop someone getting points. So then if someone has caused a serious accident that's going to get done for dangerous driving or careless driving, throw them in the simulator. Give them the points if they have, but see what we have to put up with. Like, I mean, I, I passed my test for the lorry in 1988, and back then you could go from driving a mini to driving a 38 ton truck on the motorway. Um, so, I mean, things have changed now. They have right. different tests, they have to drive a small lorry before they can drive a big lorry. Get car drivers hiring a seven and a half ton lorry because their license says they can drive it. It's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And that is uh, Brian, who spoke to me earlier on this morning. So every weekday morning from 9 o'clock for Tip Today, I'm delighted to read this out. It says, will you please say hello to my aunt Eileen from the Heath in Ross Gray. She will be 106 years old tomorrow and she's at home and she's hale and hearty. And that comes in from Eileen and the Shanahan family. So we wish Aunt Eileen the very, very best indeed and I'm delighted to know that she's in a very good health too. Now this time every uh, two weeks the Gardaí keep us up to speed about what's been happening around the county and I'm glad to be joined now by uh, Declan O'Carroll who's sergeant in charge of Nina Garda Station. Declan good morning to you. 
Okay, we, he seems to... Uh, you're right, okay, we don't have him at the moment, but he will be with us in just a sec because we've lost his, uh, his uh, call at this very moment in time. Let's see if we have Declan now. Declan, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. And good to talk to you. It's one of these days, Declan, I can tell you, <laughs> for losing phone calls and the like. Um, will you start with what happened last Wednesday? Because we heard quite a bit about this, that joint agency operation. Yes, Fran, this was from Clonmel uh, on Wednesday of last week. Gardaí conducted a joint agency operation and were accompanied by um, the Armed Support Unit, the Dog Unit, the Public Order Unit and Stolen Car Unit, along with staff from the Revenue Customs Service and the ISPCA. The Irish Defence Forces uh, from Cork as well, and a number of uh, search warrants were executed in the Clonmel area. During the course, Fran, of these searches, Gardaí seized drugs uh, with a value of suspected to be around €2,000, and that's subject to analysis. Three caravans that were believed to be st- stolen, valued at approximately eighty thousand euros, were also recovered, and a large number of dogs and three horses were removed by the ISPCA under the Animal Welfare Act. Five persons were arrested in relation to a variety of crimes, friend, including possession of drugs for sale and supply, theft, assault, causing harm, and obstruction under the Misuse of Drugs Act. Officers from the Customs and Excise Unit made a number of detections uh, on private vehicles uh, using marked gas oil. And I believe there's more to come where this is uh, concerned, so we'll we'll look forward to that. There was an arrest made on the 7th of December, Declan. Yes, Fran, a young male was arrested on 7th of December in Clonmel and charged to appear at uh, Clonmel District Court with uh, charge of burglary of the parochial house in July um, of this year. The matter is uh, due before the courts in January again. All right. Uh, drink driving is still happening out there? Yes, Fran, three arrests have been made in the last two weeks for drivers under the influence. Um, charges have been preferred in two of the cases and tests are awaited in the third. Matters uh, to be before the courts in the coming weeks, Fran. Again, we ask uh, everyone enjoying festivities over the holiday period to plan ahead. And please plan your lift home. Better better still take turns among family uh, and friends to have a designated driver so that everyone gets home safe over the holiday period. Public order offences, we seem to talk about this every time. Um, a bit of an increase in the Clonmel area? Yes, Fran, and across the division, an increase in public order. Um, there was a marked increase uh, in arrest for public order offences in the Clonmel area. Again, and we are appealing to listeners to act responsibly over the Christmas period. And we would like everyone to enjoy themselves, but in a safe way, Fran. Now, you've recovered a, a lawnmower. What's the story with that, Declan? Yes, Fran, Gardaí and Clonmel have in their possession an electric lawnmower, which they believe is stolen property. Uh, we would ask people to check their sheds and if missing a lawnmower to contact um, the Guardian Clanmel Garda station, we'd like to return it to its uh, rightful owner. Now, we often talk about uh, fraud um, and Guardian Clanmel, you want to alert some of our listeners, isn't that Yes, and yeah. friend, not just uh, in Clanmel, it's across, across the region and the country. Um, we mentioned very regularly on this slot about account takeover fraud and the pearls of clicking on links and te- text messages. Clanmel Gardaí would like to alert listeners to two different types of account takeover frauds that have been reported within the district in the last two weeks. The first is a text that a member of the public got that was allegedly from Amazon stating that the person was due a refund. The recipient was prompted to download a a Revolut app and was asked to forward a picture of themselves and a form of identification. The person's account was then taken over and close to €1,000 was taken from their account into the Revolut account and then left... uh, and that that money was then uh, sent on to another account. These frauds are becoming more and more elaborate and innovative, uh, as you as you can ima- uh, imagine, the amount of listeners that would indeed be carrying out online shopping around this time, yeah. Fran. Yeah. Please um, never give out uh, your details and remember and remain extra vigilant.
There was another account as well, was there? Yes, uh, this is a second uh, account takeover uh, related to a text message allegedly from the HSE stating the recipient is a close contact and a link to where they can avail of a PCR test. The recipient, uh, in this case, clicked on the link and entered bank account details. Unfortunately, €2,000 was um, taken from their account. All right, so once again, the usual advice out there, don't click on links where you don't know about any of this stuff, you know? Yes, friend, that's... All right. Uh, damage to a parked car in Clonmel as well, Declan? Yes, friend. Um, Guardian Clonmel are investigating damage to a parked car overnight on the 11th into the 12th of December. The car was parked on Thomas Street and had a wing mirror broken off. We'd like to hear from anyone who may have witnessed uh, any person damaging uh, or seen anything suspe- suspicious in the area. Contact Clonmel Guard Station. Right. And that lovely kick and barracks plaza now as well. Some damage done there, I think? Yes. Um, unfortunately, Guardian are investigating damage done to the light fitting at the new kick and barracks plaza on the 9th of December. The new location is only recently opened and has already been an important venue for the community, Fran. Um, any damage uh, to the plaza will be thoroughly investigated and Gardaí are appealing for anyone with any information to contact them. If we move to Thurles District uh, then and to Templemore specifically, and uh, there was an arrest made. Yes, an arrest made of a, a youth uh, who entered uh, vehicles and searched, uh, searched them for property and local Gardaí arrested uh, the male who was later charged to court. Members of the public are again advised to ensure... You lock up your property and do not uh, do not give thieves the opportunity to steal from. Right. So make it plain as well to people. Checkpoints uh, on the increase in in the Turles district. Yes, and across the division, checkpoints have been increased um, in Turles and Templemore area to combat drink and drug driving and provide high visibility uh, policing to members of the public over the winter period. Fran. Right. There have been some charges made as well. Yes. Um, again, same as Clonmel, Gardaí and Turles have charged a number of individuals, both male and, uh, men and women, in relation to public order incidents and intoxication in the town. In recent weeks, uh, they will appear before the next sittings of uh, Torres District Court. All right. Uh, a reminder, I suppose, that can for all licensed uh, firearms holders as well. Yes, Frank Gardy and Torles and across the Tipperary uh, Division are requesting all licensed firearms uh, holders to examine their license to ensure that they are fully up to date and in order. Any unlicensed firearm uh, may be subject to seizure by uh, members of Garda Shikana and the licensee prosecuted. Please ensure um, your firearm is fully licensed to the Tipperary Town area now and again one of the reasons why you come on with me Declan is that you're looking for help from the public and you've gotten that help recently Yes and Gardaí and Tip Town would like to thank the public for their assistance in solving a theft from the person incident which happened on the 7th to the 12th um, this year whereby uh, an elderly lady uh, had her handbag snatched from her shoulder the response from the public was immense in this case Fran and uh, suspect w- suspects were quickly identified and have since been uh, arrested mm, And uh, there was also help in solving a range of incidents Yes, Fran, again, a number of incidents um, since the last appeal uh, two weeks ago, which highlighted a number of thefts from cars. Um, the public's assistance regarding this was of great benefit, uh, which led to an arrest of a suspect who has been charged in relation to these offences uh, and a number of other offences. Will you remind us of the Santa for Seniors project? Because that's happening again this year, isn't it? Yes, this is uh, in Tipperary Town. The Santa for Seniors is being run again after a, there was an overwhelming response, Fran, last year in relation to it. Gifts are being accepted from the public and they'll be divided uh, between each of the nursing homes in the Tipperary t- uh, Town District um, Fran, right. it's, a, it's a very good uh, charitable cause Isn't it Justin, I know it worked extremely well last year in particular um, Two thefts from the Ballyhurst area Yes Fran, uh, on the 12th uh, of this month uh, in the Ballyhurst area of Tipperary Town there was a lawnmower and a circular saw taken from two location, locations, these items were stolen from garden sheds, anybody that may have seen anything suspicious is asked to contact Tipperary Garda Station.
Right, it was a lawnmower and a chainsaw, I think. In yes, cases, wasn't it? Okay, so again, I suppose the thing is lock, lock everything up. You have, you have to do so. And um, what about that theft from O'Leary Place? Yes, uh, there was a burglary at O'Leary Place on the sixth to the twelfth, uh, where a number of bags of coal and firewood were taken overnight. Uh, anyone that have made, again, anyone that may have seen anything suspicious is asked to contact Gardy. And just when I, I just uh, when we mentioned Ballyhurst, um, as well as uh, the other, there was there was a steel chainsaw. Stolen on the second of the twelfth um, from a shed again that was forced to open. Gardaí are examining CCTV and are, are appealing for the public's help in relation to these types of crimes that have, have occurred uh, in the Tipperary area, Tipperary town area in the recent uh, past. Yes, and in fact, the Inver uh, service station as well was victim to this, wasn't it? Yes, there was a burglary from the Inver service station on the second of the twelfth, where a petrol power washer was stolen to the value of fifteen hundred. Again, Gardaí are investigating and appealing for the, to the public in mm. relation to that one. What was the story about the rock being uh, thrown? Yes, there was this was criminal damage that occurred on the third of the twelfth, where a rock was uh, thrown at a window. Um, breaking it on the at approximately ten twenty five at Bramble Row and Row Tipperary. Um again Gardaí are, are looking yeah. to the public for assistance in that in that in that case. Right. So you're encouraging anybody out there who can help the Gardaí or if they have uh, suspicions of anything, they should chat to you, shouldn't they? Uh, definitely Fran and we've seen the benefits of that in the last uh, number of weeks where, where Gardaí have solved a number of incidents throughout the division with the public's help uh, and assistance and Gardaí would like to encourage uh, that the moment they notice anything suspicious to make contact with the local station or dial 999 indeed as soon as possible uh, not to wait until a later date. On oh, right Declan to your own own area then there's been a very a recent um a burglary at a house in i think it's grange is it grange yes this was in um in te- uh, the temple Ro- more road ross gray fran mm. uh, that's a housing estate uh, this burglary happened uh, in the early hours of the morning between midnight and 8 a.m a number of items were stolen unfortunately when the house was entered Gardie from uh, from ross gray are examining uh, cctv and are asking anyone who may have seen any, anything suspicious in that area in the early hours of, the, of this morning to contact us here in uh, at Ross Grey or Nina Garda Station. Right, so the, the bad weather is not keeping the bad guys away, that's for sure. Um, you have an update on some incidents uh, from a couple of weeks ago. Yes, Fran, and, and uh, a good news story, and the same as uh, the update from Tipperary Town. Gardaí from Nina investigated a number of incidents that occurred in and around the town between the 25th and the 30th of November, and it was highlighted in, in the programme there two weeks go by my colleague uh, Margaret Kelly um, we've made progress in relation to these um, which inc- these incidents which include two burglaries that occurred in the town, five thefts from cars and two, two, two cars that were stolen Fran, yesterday we arrested a suspect um, and he was detained at, uh, excuse me, Monday a suspect was arrested and detained at Nina Garda Station for question. This man is currently in custody and we expect uh, further charges to follow in the coming days. Very good, so some good news there. Now some bad news, a uh, story we covered yesterday was that large sheep kill that happened uh, over the weekend. Will you will you tell me what's the latest on, on that, Declan? Yes, Fran, again we're appealing. Um, th- this incident happened at Lawyer Moneygall, it's on the Tipperary Offaly border where there was a large sheep kill on Saturday morning gone um, two large dogs were observed close to the area at the relevant time and up to 50 sheep uh, and lambs have been killed as a result of the attack this is obviously a considerable financial blow to the farmer concerned and attempts are being made to locate the dogs and the dog owner and these dogs would have returned to their owners homes uh, covered in blood and someone may have witnessed these dogs and we're asking for any help the public might be able to give in, in relation to it John Healy is the farmer there he was very complimentary to your colleagues as to the speed that they arrived on on the scene there but terrible photographs there yesterday uh, some criminal damage 
uh, in in Nina? Yes, this is a, an incident that occurred uh, to a headstone at Kenyon Street Graveyard uh, sometime between 9am and 11am and first to the 12th inquiries into this incident are, are ongoing but again we're seeking the public's assistance on it and CCTV is being examined in relation to the incident. And once again, Declan, public order incidents. Yes, unfortunately, friend, um, as was stated by my colleagues in Torres and, and Clanmel Gardi uh, from Acosta in Nina District dealt with seven public order incidents um, in the last two weeks, uh, resulting in seven arrests. There was five in Rosscray and three in Nina. Um, these will be dealt with various ways. These individuals will be dealt with by way of fines, charges, court or, or uh, cautions. Uh, finally then um, you're urging people to be very wary this is going back to what we had earlier on as well uh, unsolicited uh, text Yes, uh, um, Fran and I suppose it shows you the, the amount of uh, these types of crimes that are happening out, uh, and, and people are still um, falling for these types of uh, incidents uh, fishing incidents have increased over the last two weeks, um, Gengardi we are asking the public to be very wary of any unsolicited text purporting to be from a bank, credit union etc or, or a company uh, asking persons to click on a link. Uh, on one occasion, an individual clicked on a link purporting to be from government organisation and ended up ha- having over 3,000 taken from their account. And then in another one incident, um, an injured party received a text from someone purporting to be from a payment company, again like the incident in Clamel. Uh, the injured party engaged with the text friend and rang the, a number connected with it. Uh, she was spoken to by a woman on the other line and this woman attempted to ascertain credit card details and attempted to take up to €5,000 from, from uh, this person's account. My God, so you just can't be careful enough uh, out there. Uh, PJ English is a community activist and he was on and he's just wondering, would you advise people about walking and, and visibility, high visibility jackets? And, and Because we get a lot of complaints about this, Declan. So. Yes, friend, definitely. If, if, if High visibility jackets, now we have them available in Nina Garda session if people want to call in to, to collect them, especially for kids this time of year, um, just with the, with the bad weather and, and uh, the dark the dark evenings, uh, we would recommend that everyone wears a high visibility jacket because it uh, gives them the ability to be seen and seen from a distance uh, mm-hmm. by, by cars. We had a lot of uh, complaints yesterday as well about cars lighting up and making sure to have lights on and that. And I presume you would go along with all of that. I would uh, uh, recommend that all cars have their lights on at all times, uh, day and night, uh, obviously, um, this time of year, uh, mm-hmm. just to be seen. Absolutely. Declan, great to talk to you and uh, happy Christmas to you and thank you for coming on with me. Thank you. Good Thanks morning to you. Friend. How about you now? Declan O'Carroll there, Sergeant in charge of Nina Garda Station. Um, 083-311-3311, the uh, text and uh, WhatsApp. And uh, I'll be right back. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie I was intrigued with that word that uh, Paul came up with uh, earlier on, uh, polyandry, um, and seemingly fraternal polyandry, um, would you believe, is practised among Tibetans in Nepal and other parts of China in which two or more brothers are married to the same wife, with the wife having equal sexual access to them. There's one for you, no? (laughs) So what do you make of that? Um, all right, 083-311-3311. Every day is a school day. Um, with the festive season at hand, uh, Dr. Connor Reedy in our 
hidden history slot takes us back to the words of the children of the late 1930s, Tipperary, for their thoughts on Christmas. And speaking to the Irish Folklore Commission, between 1937 and 1939, they shared their knowledge and opinions on all kinds of topics relating to life in Ireland, including Christmas traditions this month on Tipperary's Hidden History. Uh, There's faith, food, whiskey galore and no murdering. that time of year when people come together in various ways to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, whether as families, churches, couples or communities or even individuals. It's time to revisit our old friends at the National Folklore Collection's School Collection, a scheme initiated by the Irish Folklore Commission with the cooperation of the Department of Education and the Irish National Teachers Organisation. It was originally run from 1937 to 1938 but was extended in 1939 in specific cases. For the duration of the project, more than 50,000 school children from 5,000 schools in the 26 counties of the Irish Free State were enlisted to collect folklore in their home districts. This month on Tipperary's Hidden History, you've guessed it, Christmas, as told by the children of late 1930s Ireland. We begin with a child at Lockmore in Templemore. And this little girl says... At Christmas we put up holly in our house. We put it up on Christmas Eve and we take it down on the 6th of January. It's put up around pictures and in the bedroom. We get it in James Morris's field and my mother puts it up. We leave a candle lighting on Christmas night. We put up Pam on Pam Sunday. My mother brings it home from the church and puts it up behind the pictures. It's left there until the next Pam Sunday. Then it's taken down and burned. We put straw inside the door on Christmas night. We put up blessed ashes in the thatching on Ash Wednesday. My father puts blessed ashes on our foreheads and my mother puts the rest of it up on the thatch beside a rafter. We put up a crib at Christmas. We put it up on Christmas Eve and we take it down on the 6th of January. We bought it in a shop in Templemore. When it's taken down, it's put in a press and left there until next Christmas. And... Like most of us, we hope that all the figurines are still intact. We turn now to Clock Jordan National School. Christmas is coming. The geese are getting fat. Please put a penny in the old man's hat. If you haven't got a penny, a halfpenny will do. If you have not got a halfpenny, God bless you. And the child says, This verse is sung by people begging before Christmas. Christmas Eve, the youngest member of the family lights candles and there's a Christmas candle left burning in every window. The candles are supposed to show light to Our Lady as she passes on midnight. On Christmas Eve, all children hang up their stockings for Santa Claus to fill with sweets, toys and other nice things. Christmas morning and every priest can say three masses. I never knew that was a rule. Christmas Day, everybody has fowl for dinner and sweet cake for tea. On Stephen's Day, young and old people disguise themselves and go around the country collecting money. We turn now to a child in Boher National School in Bushfield, Carrigatoher. At Christmas, 
the people practiced various customs which their fathers and mothers before them practiced. On Christmas Eve, the youngest in the house lights a big candle, and this candle is placed in the window. This is supposed to be an invitation to the Blessed Virgin Mary to visit the home. If anybody passing along is looking for lodging, the light shows them where to get it. They put down a big fire on Christmas Eve. They burn a special big log and the fire is not raked that night. On Christmas Day, says this child in Boher National School, long ago the people used to have tea as a luxury for their Christmas dinner on Christmas Day. A boiled goose was the usual dinner. Every other day they would only have potatoes and sour milk. In this parish, the people do not go visiting their friends on Christmas Day. It is considered bad form. There's a door you don't knock on. On Christmas night, a big candle is lighted. The child continues, On St. Stephen's Day, the Wren boys go around from house to house. They are disguised with eye fiddles and old and curious clothes. They carry a holly bush and sing and dance outside the doors. They get money from the people of the house. They sing first, The Wren, the Wren, King of all birds, St. Stephen's Day was caught in the furs. Up with the kettle and down with the pan and give us the money to bury the ran. Individuals sang other songs. At night, they divide the money on the crowd and they often subscribe for entertainment to get up a dance in a particular house. Of late years, the ran boys here are not so particular about their disguise or about their performances outside the houses. They simply go for the money and they've developed the habit of going in small groups of twos and threes and keeping the money. Finally, from this child in Boher, it is the custom here not to eat meat on St. Stephen's Day so as to prevent fever or sickness coming into the house during the year. Some people say you eat it but not cook it. It is a great day for visiting friends. We turn to Thomastown. This child says, There's always great joy at Christmas. Every woman is busy. My mother is very busy at Christmas always, cleaning and dusting. She has to whitewash and then everything is tossed about, dresser, tables and pictures. Then all these things have to be washed and painted. I go for the holly red berry. It's the nicest. Strings are made out of it and they are put hanging out of the ceiling. The Christmas dinner consists of roast goose and potatoes. The stuffing is always grand. Potatoes, onions, spices, salt, pepper. The tea on Christmas day consists of sweet cake and plum pudding. The plum pudding is treacle, beef suit, lemon peel, currants and raisins. The raisins are stoned and all is mixed together with flour and breadcrumbs and boiled in a little bag. It is hung out of the ceiling with holly on the top of it till Christmas Day. There are stout and lemonade drunk also. A Christmas candle is lit in honour of Jesus Christ. In Knockin Temple, a child tells us about the Christmas candle. Every Christmas night, a long-coloured Christmas candle is lighted by the mother of the house after the tea. Everyone in the house kneels down and says a prayer to be alive at that time twelve months. A turnip is scooped out and decorated with fancy paper and holly to make a holder for the candle. The lighted candle is placed in the window, which is left without a blind to give light to our Blessed Lady and her son on their way looking for lodgings. The candle is left lighting all night and the next night until it burns out. The child talks about the door. The door of the house is never locked on Christmas night, the way Our Lady and her son could come in and rest a while. A chair is left near the fire for Our Lady to sit on and take the blessed babe on her lap. A jug of water is left on the table. The fire is not quenched. 
Any poor person is not refused at the door on Christmas Eve. Then we talk about the food. The feasting begins at tea Christmas night. A big oven cake is made with plenty of fruit, eggs, butter, peel and sugar. A roast barn brack is got in every house. A plum pudding is either made at home or bought. A roast fowl of some kind is for the Christmas dinner, a turkey, goose, duck or a chicken, according to the people's means. Anyone who comes to the house around Christmas gets a drink. The postman always gets a drink. I wonder is that still true, by the way. The people working in the house get a drink on Christmas night. So now we head to Borisa Cane. This child writes, In my district, in Borisa Cane, County Tipperary, formerly a straw cross used to be made on Christmas Day and left until Pam Sunday beside the cream. For it was said you would never want for butter while that was there. The cross used to be made of wheat and straw and was made by the oldest boy in each house. The child talks about branches and herbs. Holly is still used in all the houses in this district. It is put up on Christmas Day and taken down after Little Christmas, or the twelfth day. It is generally put up over the pictures around the house. People always try to get buried holly, which is often hard to be procured, especially if the weather is cold. To Longford Wood next. Christmas is the greatest of all. It is talked of for weeks beforehand by both young and old. The young people, because of the good things it brings them, in the way of eating, drinking, sport, and in the case of children's holidays from school. And the old, because they will either see or hear from those whom they have not heard any account of for the past year. Some days before Christmas the house is thoroughly cleaned, and branches of holly are stuck here and there all over it. Holly with red berries on is eagerly looked for by everyone. The woman of the house goes to town and buys all the good things she can afford. Currants, raisins, some fruit and above all some strong drink for the older men and there are some of the things she makes sure to purchase. On Christmas Eve a very large candle is lighted in every house and placed in the window. This is not put out until the following morning. On this day also, the turkey or goose, without which no Christmas dinner would be looked on as a good one, is cleaned and prepared for the oven. On the evening before Christmas, any members of the family who may be working in Dublin or elsewhere return home. And there's great joy in every house. On Christmas morning, as many as possible go to First Mass and Holy Communion. And on the road outside after Mass, we wish one another a happy Christmas. There is an old custom in the district that is that most people remain in their houses on Christmas day and night. When a man enters his neighbor's house on the day after Christmas, or in fact on any day during the 12 days, he is certain to be treated to a glass of whiskey or wine. Doesn't say if that applies to women entering the house. Some of us send and get Christmas cards. Another very noted thing in the district is the generous spirit with which everyone seems to have during Christmas and those who have them send turkeys or geese or other good things to those who have not got them of their own. The child talks about St Stephen's Day. This day is also kept locally as a sort of holiday and few people do any work except what they must do. Some of the small boys go with the wren and some young men also dress themselves up in old clothes, put masks on their face or blacken them with soot. One or two carry a fiddle or a melodeon and they go from house to house playing music, singing and dancing. They generally get a few pence at each house. The people of the district like to see the little boys coming with the wren, but they don't like to see the grown-up men coming because the money collected by these is often put to improper use. 
The old people tell us that in years gone by, there used to be several dances held in the locality on that night, but now there's scarcely any. The child talks about New Year's Day, where in many houses, a large candle is also lighted on that last night of the old year and is left lighting to bring in the new year. We also wish one another a happy new year when we meet one another at Mass or elsewhere on that morning. The old people tell us, children, that whatever we do on that day, we shall be doing for the year. They especially warn the younger children about crying. Some cards are also sent and got by a few people on that morning. Little Christmas, this is just kept now like an ordinary holiday in the district. The old people tell us that 40 or 50 years ago, the people kept it in almost the same way as they kept Big Christmas. Lisfernan in the Glen of Aherlow and a child writes, Long ago there lived here in Lisfernan an old woman named Judy Lynch who used to dust the church. A few days before Christmas she was working dusting the statue of St. Joseph. The duster got caught in the neck of the statue and it fell on the floor and the statue got broken and poor Judy was in terrible trouble and turning to the altar with her hands joined she exclaimed, Jesus and Mary, I have St. Joseph killed. Finally, on to Kilnaneve. St. Stephen's Day is on the 26th of December. It is celebrated by going hunting the ran. All the young boys of the district collect together and go around from house to house looking for money. They dress up with old rags and play at every house with musical instruments. I'm going hunting the ran myself with a couple of school companions. St. Stephen was the first martyr. St. Stephen's Day is the day after Christmas. All the people lock the doors when they hear the ran boys coming. Is it all the people or just that house? Who knows? There's a lot of dances for the ran boys on St. Stephen's night. They generally get drunk in the evening. There is mass on St. Stephen's Day. Some people say it is not right to eat meat on that day, but more people don't believe that. Stephen is a very scarce name. And there you have it. That's what the children of late 1930s Ireland thought about Christmas. How many of those old traditions have changed? And how many have disappeared? Or how many have remained exactly the same? And so, as we draw another year of Tipperary's hidden history to a close, I want to give a quick shout-out to some of the great historical journals across our county that will make fantastic Christmas presents this year. The Killaloo Ballina Local Historical Society have just released issue one of the album, 150 Years of Images, 1840s to 1990s. The Annals of Ara, History, Archaeology, People and Places, Volume 4 was recently published by the ARA Historical and Archaeological Society. An incredible 11th volume of Mining the Past from the Silver Mines Historical Society was recently launched in Dalla, and the Silver Jubilee volume of the Borhulahan Duala Historical Journal was launched back in early November. These are a few of the many great historical publications researched and written about across our county this past few months and promised to generate hours of great conversation among you all, among families and friends this year. Finally, I want to say a huge thank you to the many listeners I've met along the way throughout the year for their kind words about Tipperary's hidden history. Until next year, when we'll have many more tales of murder, violence, weirdness, and I hope a few laughs from this county's rich past. Thank you all, and Merry Christmas.
And that's uh, the wonderful Dr. Connor Reedy there with uh, Tipperary's Hidden Histories. The winner of our afternoon two, uh, tea for two at the Talbot is Mary Highland from Ballyporeen. Well done to you, Mary, and many congratulations to you, and I'm sure you'll uh, enjoy that uh, greatly. Now, earlier on, we spoke to Jody regarding her situation with her prepay uh, meter. One of her listeners was in touch with some advice, and uh, this is what they had to say. Well, Fran, that lady talking about the prepay power, she might want to check out the other suppliers' prices before she changes to bill pay. Because I just got my bill in the in there in the last couple of days for the last two months, and it's forty four cent per kilowatt, and that's with energy bill pay. So beware, it mightn't be any better. Some advice from one of our listeners there via WhatsApp, uh, voice message via WhatsApp, and you can do that as well on 083 I'll be chatting to George Fury of the Fury Brothers in just a moment. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. The legendary Fury Brothers will make their way to the Talbot Hotel Clonmel on January 6th for a very special evening of great music. And I'm delighted to be joined now by the great George Fury. George, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are things? Things are very well, George, and it's great to talk to you. Are you are you Christmassy, George? Are you looking forward to it? I am, yes. I always look forward to Christmas. It's another, it's another year older for me, but I don't mind that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's coming to us all, George. It's coming it to is. us all. Um, yes. What about COVID, George? How how did you deal with that? And Because, I mean, you've been gigging all your life, and not to be able to gig must have been a pain, was it? Well, it was, but, but you know, uh, I remember finishing off uh, up in Scotland at the time, and uh, we had to come home. And I remember meeting uh, Brendan Shine on the way home in the boat. And the last words he says to me, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. That was two years later. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, I, we just, I just sat at home here and uh, done a few songs. And my brother, Eddie, done a few songs from his home, you know. And uh, we'd like to give something back to the people. So that's what we've done. and kept it going. Yeah, and you did that online. Yes, yeah. yeah. And was that new to you, George, to do that? Uh, was that a, a, a novel way of entertaining yeah, it, the only problem is you couldn't hear the audience kind of uh, reaction <laughs> coming back, you know. But uh, yeah. we didn't mind that. I mean, we got an awful lot of write-ups for it. And, uh, you know, it went all over the world. So it was great for us. And uh, people that couldn't see us, you know, uh, on tour, they got a chance to see us on the TV. Mind you, we looked like mugshots in Garda Patrol, you know. <laughs> <laughs> not not a bit of it, I'm sure. But no. I'll bet you it got you a broader audience. Uh, did it get you even a younger audience to oh, some it did, degree? Yeah, everywhere. Yeah, all around, uh, everywhere around the world. And the uh, people, you know, asking us when we're going to come back to the States and when we're going to go back to Australia and New Zealand and places like that. And uh, so you can't be in every place at the same time. Of course, and, uh, yeah. We're getting a small bit older now at the moment, you know. So um, we're thinking of kind of staying kind of close at the home. When I say close to the home, I mean uh, around Europe itself, you know. Are you? And, yeah, uh, because, I mean, Australia and the States were so good to you, George. They were, yeah. yeah. Well, we, we've done an awful lot. We've done 22 different tours in Australia. Did 20, you? Yeah, 22 wow. different years we were there, yeah. My God. So we were 
and uh, America as well, and Canada, everywhere, you know. And sold so many records over there as well. Oh, there you go, you see. Yeah. That's another story, Fran. That's <laughs> that will keep between ourselves. In fact, I think you were, weren't you touring in the States when you heard about Top of the Pops? Yes, many years ago. We were doing it through Paddy Royde's with us at the time. Paddy came with us to, to do a special guest, and we started off our, our tour in uh, the West Coast. Mm. And... Uh, San Francisco and all, all there, you know, with Los Angeles and all that. And uh, we flew back to Milwaukee and uh, we're doing a concert in Milwaukee and uh, we're having breakfast the next morning when Gay Bourne phoned uh, the hotel to tell us, uh, I want to be the first to tell you, he says, you're going to be doing Top of the Pops. Bike. And we said, we said that we already know that since yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so that burst his bubble, I'll bet. <laughs> yeah, but the only problem was we had to fly back to New York, you see, and uh, catch a flight. So we said that we'd celebrate because the flight didn't leave till about nine o'clock at night. Yeah. So we happened to be in New York about about two o'clock in the day. So we said we'd go down and celebrate in, in the middle of the town. So we'll have a few drinks and yeah. head out to the airport. So we got a bit merry and we hired a, one of these limos because in them <laughs> days you could hire a limo out them. Yes. It cost about $50 or something like that. We got to the airport and we said we'll have another drink and then I come over to the intercon saying your plane is going to be delayed by six hours. The pilot has broke his big toe. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? Some luck, I'm telling you, yeah, yeah. So we eventually got on the plane, and I wouldn't mind one of our guys uh, took a sleeping tablet. <laughs> and he says, Are we need you home. I said, we haven't taken off yet. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, we, we oh, flew God. home, and we went straight from one flight in Dublin Airport on to... Uh, London, and uh, we had to record the, the the Sweet Sixteen song again over there. And and who shared the bill with you that night for for Top of the Pops? Uh, oh, oh, Ultravox, I think, was on, was and Cool uh, and the Gang. Cool and the Gang. Yeah, do you remember them? You do. I do. Indeed, and I remember yeah. I had I had this guitar with me that my father bought years ago. It's just it's a shape of a, a guitar, a hand, well, like you know what I mean, like where your hand goes. Yeah. But instead of a body of the guitar, there's like a bugle. Coming out of side of it. Go on. Oh. It was a t- uh, some guy invented these instruments many years ago called I think called a strode or something like that they were called. Wow. He made fiddles and mandolins and banjos all the same kind of thing. Yes. So the guys are looking at this and he says to me, "Hey, oh, my God, he says I've never seen anything like this." He says, "What's that for that hole?" I said, "That's for the drink when you're not allowed to drink." There's a tube that goes into my mouth. <laughs> Oh, it's brilliant. Guys, you know, and yeah. do, do you know what I was reading as well? And, and fantastic memories. I mean, way back to when you were busking and how you'd get into Croke Park, yourself and the brothers. And yeah. <laughs> Over the wall. Over the wall. The, ra- the, was like the railway end. Yeah. There was a little pole that uh, wasn't only just those, but we just ramped it up and, and uh, an awful lot of the kids in them days they wanted to see the football. And of course, you could walk around Croke Park in them days. There was no, you know... You, right, yeah. Like there is, yeah. there was all barred off. You can't go here and you can't go there, you know? Well, what, um, you, you'd yeah. be playing outside, is that it, while, while they were walking up, and then you'd make your yeah. way over the wall? Yeah, there's a... On the, um, Dawson Street there, not Dawson Street, uh, Dorset Street, uh, there's a way down where the, the people used to come off the bus and walk down the banks of the canal to yes. the next bridge, and then they go into Crow Park that way. So we used to busk there, and when we thought that there was enough of them gone, we'd scarper around the other side, down the, down Griffith Avenue, I think, and uh, find out where the wall was, and get over the, onto the railway line and up over the wall. Is that, is that and then the card would be going, wah, 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 <laughs> trying to make it up the wall. <laughs> but yeah, we've do, we done an awful lot of busking. We, we, we not, we, the first buskers ever to do Grafton Street was us. Are when you we serious? Were only kids, oh. we, we busked in Grafton Street, uh, all the 
all around the area since we were kids. We had a plaque on the wall many years ago. They put a plaque on the wall because we'd done um, a show there for the Special Olympics. Yes. They were going off to send them off somewhere. and, and to uh, So we set up our gear and uh, played um, just near the HMV store there. I mean, it was there in Grafton. Yeah. 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 And they donated, I think it was about, I think it was about 60 grand, which was a lot, a lot of money in days for an hour. That was all donations and all. And they put a plaque in the wall. You know, and they said, I said, we're telling the guy that was put the plaque on the wall, I said, we're busking here since we were kids. You know, we used to come back to school on a Saturday, we'd go in busking into town. And uh, all the area was the busking from, from, I think we're only seven or eight years old at the time. Well, aren't 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 they great memories? You you mentioned the accordion. I couldn't believe, I was very fond of Paul, your your brother Paul. He's dead 20 years now, isn't he? 20 years, yeah. My God. Great character, great oh, fabulous character. Fabulous you know, character. and I, sometimes we used to play in the keys in Galway. And of course, you were you know, kind of booked to play play one night. You know, so we used to go on till, till five o'clock. So I say it's the only place I know that we ever played the airlines that you get booked to play on the Monday. And you end up playing on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> And it was, it was always like that all the time. Oh, know? that's brilliant, isn't it? I remember coming home with a van one time from Donegal and we got pulled up by the cops. And because uh, we, there's a fella, and he says, uh, can you open the door, side door? Yes, no problem. All the guys are in there. And uh, they says to me, who are you? I said, I'm George Hugh. That's my brother Eddie over there. And uh, I said, who is, that's my brother Paul. And he said, what are you doing in the back there? He says, uh, there's no lights in there. No, he says. He said, I'm reading. He says, <laughs> <laughs> how, how are you reading? He said, but he said, I went to night school years ago. <laughs> and big Derek McCormick was there in the bus with us. Ah, oh, poor old Derek. <laughs> and he said, who are you? He said, he said, I went to school with him. <laughs> oh, I love it indeed. Great stories, George. As you, you're coming to Tipperary on, uh, to the Talbot Hotel in Clonmel on January 6th. Uh, you're no stranger. You have a great history with Tipperary, of course, haven't you? Well, Eddie, my mother was born at Tipperary yeah. in a place called the New Road, a Tipperary town there. And uh, Eddie uh, said he was born there coming back from uh, Cork on the train. They had to pull up and, in Taurus. Are you serious? So every time I go to Taurus on my plane, I said, local boy makes good. <laughs> he doesn't mind. He's proud of where he comes from. Of course he is. Yeah, of course yeah. he is indeed. Yeah. Well, we're, 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 we're delighted to talk to you, George. And if people want to book tickets, that number is 52 618 700. So that's 052 618 8700. It'll be a lovely Christmas gift, wouldn't it? Buy tickets for it. That'd be great. I think if you can't think of what to get them, you know. Yeah, wouldn't it be great? That's a good idea. Well, it'll be a a complete sellout anyway, you can be sure. And you'll be doing all of the hits and all the crack and all the usual stuff. A bit of fun and a few stories. We always tell the old stories, and uh, all our stories are very true, you know that. I know that. I believe everything you say to me, George. <laughs> yeah. invite us and all, all the listeners uh, have a great Christmas all and right. uh, we'll see you in the new year look look forward in, to it yeah in Clamel uh, give, okay. my, give my best to Eddie George look oh, after yourself bye 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 the great George Fury there uh, appearing at the Talbot Hotel on January the 6th that number again if you want to book tickets 052 618 8 
700 or indeed info at talbothotelclonmel.ie Sadly we don't have time for you see we got rabbiting on and chatting and stuff so we don't have time for it to play a Fury's track but I'll make up for that in the next uh, few days but just keep that date in mind January 6th very special evening of the best of folk music and some great chat as well from the boys that's it uh, for me Ember produced Ali looks after our content Stephen is on the way and I will talk to you tomorrow bye bye now Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.